Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. On today's podcast, we've got Hayley Thompson in the studio to discuss and hopefully untangle some of the complexities surrounding pain, pain management, and some of the exercise tips to help with pain. Thanks, Hayley, for coming in today. Pleasure. Thanks for having me, Andrew. So Haley is a titled musculoskeletal physiotherapist, having completed her postgraduate Master's of Physiotherapy. She has also completed her Master's of Medical Research with her research focusing on the management of people with persistent low back pain in the physiotherapy group programs. She has published her research in international peer-reviewed journals and continues to be actively involved in undertaking research relating to people with persistent pain and physiotherapy. Haley has extensive experience and a strong passion for treating people with complex musculoskeletal pain conditions, including persistent lower back pain, neck pain, and complex regional pain syndrome. Haley is currently working at Physiologic in Rabina and at the Neurosurgery Screening Clinic at the Gold Coast Uni Hospital. I think I've actually got low back pain now just talking about that. <laughs> We can talk about that today, Andrew. (laughs) So, Hayley, could we start with, um, you know, very broadly, what is pain? Mm. It's a really good question, Andrew, and I think um, it's pain is so complex. So the International Association for the Study of Pain, so what we call the ISAP, they're like the umbrella group that sets our our pain research agenda. And they actually this year very recently redefined pain. And that that hasn't happened very often. And the the formal definition is um, pretty wordy. It's a little bit complex, but breaking that down, their their textbook definition is pain is an unpleasant uh, sensory and emotional experience that's associated with or, or resembling that associated with actual or potential tissue damage. So that's super wordy and, and I hope over today's uh, chat with you we, we break that down. But I think the key message there is pain is complex but Pain is essential and necessary for us as human beings. It's a normal part of our life and we actually need pain to survive. To protect us, basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's exactly right. Pain is one of our body's uh, alarm systems that warns us or, or protects us that we're under threat. So, But I think what's really important to understand and sometimes is what we as health professionals don't explain very well is pain is not only associated with uh, the the physical injury. Uh, Pain in all sense, whether you stub your toe, you get a paper cut, you break your leg or you've, you've had pain for 20 years, pain is also influenced by a number of different factors. So things like our memories, our past experiences, and and that information is stored in our brain, Um, our our attitudes and beliefs about pain, what we understand. Um, It's also our social context, so who we're we're with, what we're doing, where we are. And and I think the big thing also is, is some lifestyle factors, so how we sleep, our body weight, our diet, how we manage stress, and and, and flowing from that, our psychological health. All of these factors affect pain. So pain is complex. It is very complex and I'm glad you're doing that job of discussing it. (laughs) So what are some of the different types of pain? Mm. So I think before we jump into the the different types of pain, I I probably want to really briefly explain how pain works. 
Okay, so they're all over our, our, our tissues in our body. We've got these um, receptors. They're, they're really technical, but their job essentially is to detect danger. And in the textbook, they're called nociceptors. So they respond to different stimulus. So they'll detect that something different is happening in the tissues uh, and they'll go, okay, something different is happening at, at the, the tip of my index, at the tip of Haley's index finger. It sends a message up to the spinal cord and then the spinal cord will send this message up to the brain. So that process is called nociception and that happens all day. It doesn't always result in pain. So sometimes our, our brain will decide to protect us by movement only. So we've sat in our seat for a really long time and we'll shuffle our, our weight to, to a different side of our buttock. Sometimes it does result in pain. So what happens is that information arriving at the brain from the tissues then starts being processed by the brain and different areas of the brain start communicating. The area for vision, the area responsible for memories, the area responsible for thoughts, feelings, emotions and movement. And with all that information, if your brain decides that you're in trouble, there's danger, you need protecting, the brain will decide to produce pain and down comes a pain response. So you have all this input going on all day and your brain's this big computer system that's filtering it all and goes, yep, I need to protect you with that or no, that's just your your shirt rubbing on your uh, your skin. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, so super complex, super complex. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. And um, if we we then dive into those couple of different pain types that um, that are out there. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's really important to understand. And again, sometimes we, I don't think as health professionals, we explain that very well. There are three really common uh, types of musculoskeletal pain and they're uh, your nociceptive pain, um, neuropathic pain and neuroplastic pain. So there's not commonly only one pain type. Often there's a mix and it's our job as a health professional to work with you and make sense of what's your dominant pain type and that this can help us decide what's the best management for you. But it's certainly not the only thing we base that decision on. Nociceptive pain, I think that's the pain that we most commonly understand and that's the pain we're used to growing up. You know, um, you, you sprain your ankle at netball, you break a bone or you burn your finger on a hot plate. Nociceptive pain is commonly associated with tissue damage. But the really interesting thing is that the amount of pain that we have doesn't directly equal the amount of tissue damage we have. And I think everyone could relate to that. Uh, You know, often a paper cut or a graze can hurt a lot more than a deep cut. And part of the reason of that is because we have lots of those danger detectors in our skin. But we also have danger detectors in our joints, in our muscles, in our discs, in our ligaments. Um, And they're activated by a mechanical force or lots of chemicals arriving to a site. Like when we have swelling after we have an injury. And we know with nociceptive pain, um, with time, you'll have that inflammatory process, your tissues will heal. And we know that, you know, four to 12 weeks, your pain will be reduced and you'll normally be back to normal function. You'll be back on the netball court or you'll be back out volunteering in the school canteen. That's nociceptive pain. (laughs) (laughs) Then got... um, nociplastic pain, and that's a little bit more complex. So that's pain um, which isn't 
isn't associated with that that tissue damage like that torn ligament in our ankle or that burn from the hot plate. And a nice way I like to think of um, an example of nociplastic pain can be like a headache. So we can have different, different causes of headaches. You can get a headache when you're out playing football and you get a knock to the head. And that's nociceptive pain. You've got some, probably got some damage. You can also get a headache when you're, you're tired, run down and stressed. And you're going to, they both cause pain in the head, but you're going to, uh, we as health professionals are going to assess them differently and we're going to manage them differently. The one caused by the knock to the head, we might send off for a scan. And the one caused by being run down, stressed or tired, you might manage that by getting some better sleep, having some water getting out and moving outside. So um, they're going to be managed differently. Another another way that someone can experience nociplastic pain, it's when pain continues past that normal healing time period of 12 weeks. So we know the longer your pain, your, your nervous system produces pain for, the better it gets at producing pain and you start getting these changes in your nervous system. And we'll talk a little bit about that. But the last pain type um, is neuropathic pain. And that, and that's probably a little bit less common than, than the first two. But neuropathic pain is when you have a damage or injury or dysfunction to a nerve. And, and that can be a result of a number of different factors. It, it can be a result of trauma, so actually injury to a nerve. It can be um, the result following surgery, we see. It can also be a result of a, a disease such as diabetes. Um, and you can also get neuropathic pain following cancer treatment, for example. So like it can be um, a consequence of having chemotherapy. So nerve pain, um, or neuropathic pain, people commonly describe as a, a burning, um, sharp, shooting, electric shock type sensation. And they'll normally say it feels a little bit different to, to the usual types of pain. Okay. Because my next question was going to be, um, I've been, I feel like I've got nerve pain and basically what does that mean? Because in clinic we tend to hear someone might say, I've got nerve pain, but it doesn't sound from what you've explained, it doesn't actually sound like neuropathic pain. What what could they be talking about then? Mm, I think it, nerve pain, neuropathic pain, it's almost like a big umbrella term. And I think commonly in our day-to-day lives, people are really familiar with the term like sciatica and I've, mm-hmm. I've got nerve pain. But it can be all different types of things and your, your story that you share with your health professional, like your physio, can make sense of what that actually is. Sometimes it can be the result of your nerve being compressed and, and that's when we're looking for, th- it can be uh, looking for things such as changes in your bladder or bowel function or you're progressively getting weaker. And sometimes it's, it's a result of your nerve being irritated. So something's actually touching the nerve and, and your nerve isn't um, more like a dysfunction. It's not sliding and gliding and, and moving nicely like it should. So it's really important that you, you de bunk that and discuss that specifically with your physio or your health professional because there's certainly all different types of nerve, all different causes of nerve pain. Okay. And does pins and needles or numbness, does that um, mean that you're experiencing neuropathic pain? Pins and needles and numbness, um, tingling and sometimes like an itching sensation, um, they can they very commonly present with neuropathic pain, yes. But again, um, not always. There can be different reasons for that as well. Okay. Yeah. Pain is still complex. 
<laughs> so if, if you're experiencing pain, does this necessarily mean that there's tissue damage? Mm. I love that question. And I think if I was, well, you and I were sitting here like 15, 20 years ago, Andrew, I'd, I'd give you a really different answer um, than what I'll give you today. So in short, no, it doesn't. But let, let's chat about that a little bit more. So I think day to day growing up what we're used to, we actually commonly think it does, like your, you know, your standard ankle sprain or your fracture or your burn. Those day-to-day things in life, our, our, ex- our common experience is we have an injury. As a result of that injury, we have pain. When that injury gets better, our pain goes away. That's what a lot of us think. But we now know from really good um, research in pain science that that's most definitely not the case. So we know very confidently that the amount of pain we have doesn't directly uh, equal how much tissue damage we have. And the, the really interesting thing is they can't even prove that it does in really highly controlled experiments. So um, probably my favourite experiment to discuss this topic is um, a, a really well-known research group who are Australian down in Adelaide. They, they did a really nice study where they looked at, um, they had people who, they call them healthy people, so they don't have pain day to day, and they hooked them up and they, what they did, they had a really cold probe, so minus 20 degrees, and they put that probe on the back of someone's hand. And that probe was either delivered uh, with a red light, so at the same time they saw a red light, or the same probe, but the person didn't know it was the same probe, um, was delivered with a blue light. And the findings are really interesting. So when the probe was delivered with a red light, they, on average, people reported a lot more pain. So in some people, people reported 8 out of 10 pain with the red light and two out of 10 pain when that same probe was delivered with the blue light. Wow. Yeah, so it's not that they think there was less pain or they they think there was more pain. There was less pain or there was a lot more pain. And and that is because um, nothing different is happening at the hand where the the cold probe was was put on. The, The message coming up from the hand to the brain was the same. What was different was how the brain processed that information. So it saw a different light. It started gathering information already stored in the brain. Okay, what's happening here? I've seen a red light. What do I associate a red light with? Blood, danger, hospitals, fire engines. Well, you know, she's um, she needs protecting. She's potentially in danger here. I'm going to send down a pain response to protect her. Yep. So... Pain is complex, yeah, Andrew. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. I love that example. And Haley, I know that your like your special area is chronic pain and persistent pain. But if someone's had pain for years, will that pain ever go away? Mm-hmm. It's interesting. And and again, I think what's really exciting is the answer now is yes. And we we know that from good research. So We know from research, but I think more importantly for people listening who have pain, we know from working with people who've had long-term pain that if you can work with a good educator and coach, a health professional that can help you make sense of your pain, help you understand what's going on, um, help you engage in the in good treatment, whether that's movement, improving your sleep, sometimes that's psychological input, managing your stress, staying socially connected, then we know that recovery is possible. Yeah. And 
you know, and that's because we know the nervous system can change. You know, we used to think our brains were these hardwired machines, but we now know that you've got this overprotective nervous system. It's protecting you too well. But we know with the, by the, from the evidence that we can reverse those changes. We can reduce the sensitivity of that nervous system. Okay. Well, that's fantastic because there is obviously a bit of a, a light at the end of the tunnel yeah. for some people. Yeah. Look, I can tell that you're really passionate about pain and because um, we've got you here, I want to ask you some more questions, you know, gobble up that knowledge. But do you as a clinician, do you need scans to help you explain why someone's getting pain? Mm. This is a, a, a question that people with pain come in and ask um, straight away. So I think it's a nice one to discuss today. First and foremost, I would say scans can be essential. They certainly have their place in managing pain and, and that's really important that that message is not lost. What we do know, however, for example, people with back pain, only 5 to 10% of people with back pain need scans. So the, the technology and imaging it has just incredibly improved over the years and, and it's really good for picking up things like um, malignancies, fractures, infections or, or ner- potential nerve compression, which I was talking about earlier, if that's associated with things like changes in your bladder or bowel or you're gradually getting weaker. We know those sort of things, if there's suspicion of them, we need a scan and the scan will pick up those changes um, we'll see them and then we can act on them quickly. Yep. And that's when it's helpful. But we know these serious things that I've just touched on, cancers, um, tumours, progressively worsening neurocompression, um, they're not really common. So in a study in Australia, um, for people in low back pain, it was actually 1% of the population had, had that stuff. Oh, wow. So it really does show us that a lot of people are getting scans outside the guidelines. Sometimes scans can actually be unhelpful. And, you know, I've talked about pain doesn't directly equal what's happening at the tissues. Pain is complex. There's lots of factors that influence our pain, um, how socially connected we are, how we're sleeping. That stuff won't be picked up on scans. They actually did a study where they, they scanned people early who didn't actually fall under those guidelines and they compared their outcomes compared to people that were matched to those same people by age and what they presented with that didn't get scans. And they actually found that the people who got early scans that didn't need them did worse. So they were eight times more likely to have surgery and that their healthcare costs were five times higher than the other group. Um, And obviously that their function was also not as good. So what they were doing day to day wasn't as good. So scans can be unhelpful. Yeah. And so as a clinician, are there certain things that you might ask or look for that will help you to determine whether a scan's appropriate? Yeah, most definitely. So as I said, there are specific cases where scans are essential. And so if I if I stay, there's lots of different things. You know, we work with people who have pain from their tendons and muscles. But if I stay with the spine and and back pain, um, we'll be asking you questions and and I'm sure you'd be familiar with some of them um, if if you've been to a a physio with back pain. We'll be asking you, have you had any um, recent changes in in your bladder or bowel function? We'll be asking you... are you walking differently? Are you walking like you don't have control of your legs, almost like you're drunk but you're not? Um, do you have any changes in sensation up in your groin region? We'll also be asking you questions like, do you have any pain at night? Do you have this constant night pain that's waking you up and you can't get comfortable? 
We'll also ask you questions when we listen to your story. Well, what happened? You know, did did this happen after you got up from your armchair or did this happen after you fell off your ladder and landed awkwardly on your neck? Was there trauma? Yeah. So there are a couple of sort of key things. There's a few others, but there are a few key things where we'll be looking at, does this person need a scan? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I think you've summarised that very well. So... Haley, thank you for, for coming on today's show. Uh, we do look forward to having you on the next episode where we'll be diving into a little bit more uh, surrounding pain management. And given the complexity of that, I'm, I'm really looking forward to the chat. So um, thank you for coming on today. Thank you, Andrew. Uh, guys, be sure to leave us with a rating and review if you like the show. 